Can we talk I about this, are... Clay? You want to talk about this or no? Yeah, I feel like it's going to come out eventually. Okay. So let's, um, we'll just say like hello and introduce and then <laughs> start talking. Live from Philadelphia, you're listening to Queerona, where Philip Moore and one of his ex-boyfriends, me, George Alley, come together with a group of avant-garde co-hosts and guests to discuss life, love, death, mystery, art, and whatever. So, welcome to... And welcome to season two of Queerona. I'm here with the illustrious Matthew Ray. Hi there. How are you? I'm great. How are you? I'm doing doing well. It's uh, 2021, and we're uh, living. We're living. We've lived to see a second season. You're looking very. I, I don't know if I've told you this, but you're looking very youthful lately. Uh, it's the lighting. I have one of these circle lights. But I've seen you in life. I was just saying you look youthful in general. I appreciate that. I mean, who wouldn't? I mean, who wouldn't want to hear that kind of compliment? Honestly, very. You know, mid thirties. <laughs> <laughs> well, since I'm 24, that's fantastic. <laughs> And we also have uh, Dr. Philip Moore here with us, AKA collage artist, Toby Celery. Hi, how's everyone? There's an insurrection going on as we speak, just to mark the historical moment. Good evening, we are witnessing a failure of presidential leadership at a time when this country, when we the people need it more than ever, perhaps in our lifetime. Yes, well, we should talk about that with our famed guest, a writer for Psychology Today, and a new exciting book called Play Your Way Sane, out very soon. Uh, Clay Drinko, Dr. Drinko is here with us. Greetings. Thank, thank you so much for having me. I can tell this is gonna be amazing. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, so let's talk about these this insurgence since, since it's very pertinent right now. <laughs> Especially to my book. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's that with the tagline, right? Is it play your way sane? Or that oh, was yes. in the, in the write-up. So I was like, wow, that is a perfect thing for today. Yeah, I mean, we need, we need something to stay sane because watching the news isn't going to cut it. How do you think, do you think that improv could help some of these sort of extreme Trump supporters? <laughs> 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 I, I don't know about that. I do, I do look at it as a way of um, helping people connect with each other. So part of the idea of the improv games is that um, the other person doesn't have to be playing for you to get something out of the experience. So one of my examples um, <laughs> is that my neighbor's mom came over to my house, uh, I don't know, quite a while ago. And I didn't know she was a big QAnon fan, I guess oh, you God. could say. Yeah. Wow. And so she, she started talking about it. And my, my instinct was sort of obviously like sort of fight or flight, like shut it down, you know, and end this before it goes too far. 
or to get angry or to disagree with her. And instead, I really tried to walk the walk, like what I talk about in the book. And I just sort of asked her questions because I don't really know about QAnon. QAnon, the biggest thing on the internet since that time Kim Kardashian's butt was thirsty. Instead of being judgmental about it, I just was super curious, like, tell me everything. And it's super creative. She talked about these like big (laughs) monuments that were, I think, built in the 80s, 1980s, but somehow have messages from like thousands of years ago. And Ah. it it just, she was really, really saying amazing things. And instead of being, I don't know, angry or judgmental or closed off, I just really let her talk. And by the end of it, she said, well, I said that she didn't change my mind. I don't really believe in any of the things she was talking about, but you know, I, I thanked her for sharing what seemed to be really important to her. And she said, I did not want to change your mind. It's just really nice to have someone to talk to. And I can't deny the fact that you like me right now. You like me. So long story short, I feel like these sort of improv inspired connections like maybe in the first connection, you're not going to change anyone's mind or heart. But I do think we need to start to figure out ways to build trust in each other. Um, And for me, that sort of starts with not shutting people out or shutting people down, sort of taking them for wherever they are right now. I should tell you that I've known Clay for 25 years. Oh, wow. Clay and I were in a car once. Weren't you in a car with me when we uh, assaulted heterosexual men, asked them to come into the car? (laughs) (laughs) That sounds sounds vaguely familiar. (laughs) It was like, it was weirdly, it was like an inappropriate amount of people already in my cars, like six gay men in the car. Yeah. Yeah. And we were driving yeah. around Worcester, Ohio, and I like rolling down the windows and saying things like, are you bi-curious? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Now I remember. Now I remember. <laughs> wow. I, how, I, many, <laughs> how many poor gay, how many poor straight men were harassed that day? <laughs> well, you know, it was the 90s. I feel like people were into it. Like, gay was mysterious in the 90s, you know? Mm. Well, yeah. I don't know. I feel like that took courage to do that kind of a thing <laughs> in Worcester, Ohio. In late Absolutely. It was also yeah. very dangerous. Yes, yes sure. Yes. sure. But I do think there's kind of a fine line between manipulation and just, I mean, because it is building trust. And so, yeah, you could look at it as manipulation or you could look at it as very quickly sort of building people's trust and connecting with them. Depends on if you're good or evil. (laughs) Depends on how you use the source energy. (laughs) Not quite. I shall devise a plan in which the energy beast will suit my own aims, and we shall rule Eternia together. (laughs) I don't know that these, I don't think they could really be used for evil. (laughs) That's a sequel. In the sequel, he will give those, you know, how to like use it for evil. Maybe like play other people insane. Maybe that that's the sequel. Whoa, whoa! <laughs> it's really it gets really dark really fast. 
love it. I love well, it. Well, the second book should be dark. It's like Empire Strikes Back. You know, you go dark, <laughs> and then you'll con- and then the third book will be totally like solve it all. Which we just started watching. My my husband had never seen any of the Star Wars movies. Don't you know? Don't Stop. freak out. How did you get through <laughs> dating without that? Well, he's he's Bosnian, so like you know, it just wasn't a thing yeah. in the '90s in Bosnia. That's okay. Um, and so it is. I get why people are so into Star Wars. Like it's it's a good time. Pretty pretty deep. Surprise surprise! I'm Lando in disguise. Get out of here, Luke. Whoa, the plank is falling. Help! Plateau, Weak, Luke Skywalker, and Lando Calrissian action figures, each sold separately from Kenner's Star Wars Return of the Jedi collection. Does your daughter like Star Wars? Uh, she's too young. She's too young. She's only three and a half, so... Too young you for know, that. Yeah, she's, yeah. she's still watching Frozen, which I feel like I'm nervous. She's a little behind the trend. Frozen was like three movies ago, I think, but it is what it is. Uh, Paw Patrol is very popular. We've days. never seen it, but she loves she loves the little toys. What is she? She loves Curious George. I kind of stick with PBS Kids because I feel like some of the other stuff is, uh, yeah, not great. Yes, I just exposed uh, my nephews to uh, Pee Wee's Christmas Special. How did that go? They were intrigued. Grace Jones is in it, which is important for a three year old to see. Now, is there a plot to the Christmas? I'm not remembering it. Or is it just kind of a good time? He, um, he's, he's asked for a lot of gifts. <laughs> what gifts does he keep getting, though? Fruitcake. <laughs> Fruitcake. Um, oh, wow. Pee-wee, I brought you a present. It isn't a fruitcake, is it? No. It's two fruitcakes. <laughs> Wasn't it also important that he also was, that it was coded? He also was in the closet. And like, so were you or, you know, all the viewers. So that's sort of how you were in the club is that you were all maneuvering sort of covertly in this world. And I do think about like what, I mean, not that I miss the good old days. I'm not saying that, but like, there is a big difference between having those kinds of representations that feel really special and just for you. And yeah. now you look at gay imagery in pop culture and it's really for everyone. I suppose things maybe are still a little coded and hidden for like the true insider, but it, it feels like we've lost a lot of that. The word homosexuality is formed from the Greek word homos, meaning the same and it means to have sexual relationships with someone of the same sex as yourself. This exists among women just as among men. I don't think there's a lot of coded gay characters in anything anymore. I was on a, um, I was on a conference call recently with, with people from Netflix, and one of the overwhelming things that they, came, they were telling creators on this conference call was that they want to see LGBT characters living authentic and honest lives, in their in, in material that they would produce or buy or feature, but not only should they, if you do feature LGBTQ characters, it has to be completely one hundred percent clear that they are gay. No code. 
they 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 have to they that they, 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 there's almost a need to have characters or or you know representation has to literally now say hi there I'm Matt and I'm I said like you've got to work that into the plot or you have you run the risk of you know being accused of some level of straight washing that seems strange a little bit to me because there are I, I assume there are still many young people in the world who are struggling and sort of figuring out um, where they fall and what their sexuality is. And it, I would think it would be hard to relate to a character if everyone is either straight or, you know, really out and, and proud. It seems like, I, I know for me growing up, it was really nice to connect with people who seem to also be struggling with identity issues in some way, because I, I felt you know, like when I was out, I wasn't really relating to characters on Will and Grace who are like high power attorneys in New York City. Mm -hmm. Openly and proudly gay. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, and I don't know. I, I think having the closeted or confused characters is still still seems like it would be important. And I, I think it's like, you know, it simplifies the sort of experience that we all have. It's not even necessarily about being in the closet. I mean, even thinking about like us as college kids, Clay, like, you know, like I don't think that our sexuality was necessarily like the main fixture of our identity and that we weren't like running around talking about, even though many of us were gay and sometimes we did assault people in the in cars. <laughs> I remember doing things like <laughs> being in like parties and like there'd be like a guy that was cute, but then there was like a girl and I would like push <laughs> the girl out of the room and lock the door. <laughs> but that was like when I was more emboldened. That was like senior year, you know? Well, you I, can't, I don't even know what that is. What is, what level of assault and and phobia and, and at the same time, narcissism is that. <laughs> wow, the triumvirate. It's a lot, it's a lot. But I do feel like I'm not, I'm not okaying any of this, but I do think, <laughs> but I do think there was a lot of um, negative attention put on us for being Absolutely. gay. Absolutely. And so I always saw those moments those George Alley moments, I'm going to call them. <laughs> I always saw them as being super empowering. And I always looked at George and was really, like, I couldn't imagine being that confident. And so I don't know if you really felt confident in those moments, but to me, it felt like the opposite of what sort of negativity was often getting thrown onto us. It felt like you could flip it and, and, be proud and be gay and sort of like yell something about their straightness. I mean, that, that felt really weirdly revolutionary to me. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. How did you come up with this idea? Obviously, you know, you've been acting, you've written music, you were a pop star for a period in the aughts. In late 90s. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. How, how did it go from that to, you know, studying performance to coming up with this sort of concept of like uh, addressing sort of anxiety and and using it that way? Well, it's, it really started in 
2008, I was, uh, I was, an, I was acting. I was a pop star, as George just said, obviously. Um, but I was not getting as much performance work as I would have hoped for. And I just felt like I wasn't using all the different skills and abilities I had with the acting. Because, you know, in 2008, I would go out for an audition and they would be like, just, I don't know, be gayer. That was like one of the main notes that I got, which is like, really, this is what I'm doing with my life. So I went to Tufts to get my PhD in drama and theater studies. And that's when I started researching improv and connecting it with cognitive science and psychology. And so I wrote my book, Theatrical Improvisation, Consciousness and Cognition. It came out in 2013 and was the first academic book really connecting the mind and theatrical improvisation. But I was living in New York City and just as like irritable and anxious and never in the moment as I had been my entire life, if not worse. And so I just had this moment that I decided I, I had to not be a hypocrite. I knew how improv could positively impact the brain and the mind and lower anxiety. And so my job just became, how can I translate this to my everyday life instead of only experiencing it when I'm doing an improv show that I'm forcing my friends to go to a comedy club and do a two drink minimum. <laughs> <laughs> you had some real hits with your, your pop career as well. You had a tour, I remember at one point. You, you did like a, did uh, a, a, a tour, do you remember? <laughs> <laughs> where, no, where was I touring? I know I, for one of the music videos, I was doing like film festivals all over the world. Yeah. Like weirdly, I think the lesbian music video ended up, I don't know. I went all over the world, like sort of representing this music video. And then you were I in a, up, a wait, hold on. Is the, the video is called the, le when you say lesbian, that was the song. Yes. I well, heart lesbian. The title yeah, I Heart Lesbians or Lesbians, depending on, you know. The, but actually, I ended up then doing a movie. I, I was just in one small scene in a movie called Codependent Lesbian Space Alien Seeks Same, which if wow. you haven't seen oh it. Oh, my gosh. It's a, Where's it's that? A must, it's a must see. I'm looking for action. Hot earthling on alien action. It premiered at Sundance, which I got to go to Sundance so anyway, I, my music ended up being in that movie. And then I ended up sort of composing new music. Keep in mind, I, I am not a musician. Like this all started, I think it was 2004. Uh, do you remember Electroclash music? The sort of like trying to Fisher do electronic music. Yeah. Exactly. Fisher Spinner and Wit and Larry T and all that. I went to one of these clubs in 2004 and, you know, was having a good time drinking, you know, whatever. And then we were leaving and, you know, going to get some pizza after kind of wasted. And I said to my friends, like, I could do this. Like, what is this music? Like, this is garbage. And then I started saying, two boots letting loose on the dance floor pizza slice. And my, my friend was like, that's legit a great song. And so we sort of egged each other on and he actually was a musician. He ended up doing the music for it. And then this just spiraled into me like buying 
music equipment and like sort of teaching myself how to do it. And it's a bizarre, like, I don't know. I don't know how it all happened, really. Ooh, ooh, sexy B. Sexy B. Sexy B. Ooh, ooh, sexy B. Well, I mean, somebody recently said they heard that my book was coming out and, you know, they heard Simon and Schuster and sort of knew that I had a PhD and two master's degrees and was teaching. And they told me, um, I've always really admired how you always have known exactly what you wanted and like gone after it. And I said, that's literally, you're not describing me at all. I literally am making stuff up as I go. There's no master plan or there is, and it like never works out. So for me, that is the best way to look at things. It's like, I, I don't have a master plan, but when I'm doing something, I have as much fun doing it as I can. And I put as much effort into it as I can and then see where it leads. Because if you're closed off and you're like, my dream is to become a pop star and that's it. Like maybe you're missing out on becoming an academic or writing a book or like, who knows? I feel like it's a way of limiting yourself, which is why I get nervous when people say like, (laughs) exactly. I'm not here to limit your dreams. (laughs) But it makes me nervous when people say, like, this is my one and only dream. Like, I do think it's good to stay really open to, you know, who knows what's going to happen. I mean, who knew there was going to be a coup today? I didn't. Well, you kind of saw it coming with. Well, (laughs) I didn't know specifically today. (laughs) (laughs) I want to try one of these. Absolutely. practice exercises um that you've created in your in your your book clay i want to i want to experience this it's just more connected actually the the game i'm thinking of is actually i feel like george i might need to give you a cut of all book proceeds because i feel like this is a very george alley like 1999 game which is we kind of just you kind of be like yes people so george used to do this interview game where he would like at a club. He, I hope you still do this. Do you still do this, George? No. <laughs> <laughs> can I can I tell people yeah, that yeah, you yeah. used to? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and he would even he would hold like a, a pretend microphone, like an invisible <laughs> microphone, and he would ask these really like absurd, like strange questions <laughs> and then put the microphone like right in these people's faces and really like <laughs> so, so Clay, just to be clear he only stopped doing this because of the pandemic but a year ago <laughs> he was got it can still be found at, at many clubs up and down the east coast but I think using a hot dog that... as a microphone <laughs> But I feel like that game was really successful when somebody just went along with it, when they weren't afraid and they sort of answered the question. And then George and the stranger would sort of like have some banter and then George would just end it when, when he was done. Yeah, walk away. So, <laughs> yes. But, but this, this game in the book is just called Yes. And it's really based on like an improv principle, which is the yes and rule or the yes and principle. And that's, you're in a situation, let's say you're talking with a QAnon person or or just, I don't know, someone who talks about how their dog is sick and I, just something where you're just like, what could you say? Like, or 
you know, it's an awkward thing. All you have to do is say yes and then see where it takes you instead of arguing with them or, or something else. Before we play this, I want to say yes is also can be super problematic, obviously. And I try to be really clear about that in the book. I am not saying everyone should say yes all the time. That is not safe, nor does it make any sense. Um, but this is really a game for like innocent conversations, you know, not having to do with anyone's safety being in danger or, or <laughs> anything like that. So if someone so, comes at you with a knife, don't say yes, is what you're saying. Exactly. Or yeah, don't do anything you don't want to do. You got it. Yeah. So for this so there game, questions? I'm going to, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to give no questions. I'm going to say something like a conversation nugget. And then uh, one at a time, I'll do a different one for each of you. You're going to say yes. And then just say whatever. Okay. And that's it. It's just, yes. George, you're going to go last. I just okay. decided. Okay. Uh, Matthew, do you want to go first? No. <laughs> okay. Make Philip go first. I'm scared. Yes. Okay. Oh, Philip. Yes. Also, the, one of the rules with improv also is that you can't try to be good. Like, don't try to come up with anything clever. Don't, you know, it's really, the stakes are super low. You're just literally trying to like say anything. So you clear matter. the mind. You super bad. Clear the mind. Yeah. And also, yeah. and also you get rid of the expectations. If you're worried about being good, like you're going to end up saying something. It's tough on good. this show. We have if high expectations. <laughs> yeah. We're professionals. Exactly. So Exactly. Yeah. All right. All right. So Philip, my dog has this canker sore and I've been going to the vet all the time and I cannot figure it out. Yes, dogs are expensive. <laughs> Do I say more? Yeah, you continue. What am I supposed to say more? No, no, no. No, no, oh. For, oh. no for this, that's enough. Okay. For this game, that's totally enough. See, see how judgy George was on that? Yeah. You see how hard this is? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it is hard. So my notes are... For Matthew and George, um, one of the things you can do is to, just, is to just repeat some of the information that's already come out. And that might get the person talking more. Um, or, yeah, that's all I'm going to say. Does that make sense? Yes. So you want okay, the Matthew. person, so I really wanted you to talk more, you're saying? Yes. So I'd be like, yes, dogs are expensive. Did you, did you, budget for that or some kind of question that would no. I guess I don't know. I, I felt like let's see, dogs are expensive. I feel like if it was more closely related to what I was talking about, like uh I mean I don't want to tell you what to say, but, no, but I mean in terms of the goal, is it for the other person to like basketball, pass it back to you? Would that be the ideal that you could go? I, yeah, this is to keep the scene going. Say yes and, then, and that's it. Yeah. I mean, but the second part of it in the book, we really work on like adding on. This is really just seeing like, what happens if I say yes? It's not always going to work. Maybe in that conversation, it wasn't great. But like, you're at a weird Philip party, was... Philip, and you, you, you're talking to somebody and they're saying dogs, their dog is a canker sore. Unless you want the conversation to end, then you might yeah. invest in... <laughs> like LA story. So, so like LA story when so she says, Oh, yeah, I'm, LA story. I'm, oh, you're taking a course in conversation? Yes. <laughs> See? It's a little Steve Martin <laughs> humor, but. Uh, yeah. 
Are you ready? I'm ready. Um, Christmas has been really hard because um, nobody visited me this year. Nobody even Zoom called me. Yes, this Christmas has been difficult. It's hard when you can't see people or communicate with them. How are you handling this? Oh, Matthew, I feel so like seen and heard. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) No, but do you see, like weirdly repeating back some of the stuff I said really made me feel like, oh, he was really listening. And now I can sort of think more about how hard it was. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. You know what I do when I'm not really listening to people is I'll say, like they'll they'll stop talking and I'll say, (laughs) how did that make you feel? <laughs> yeah, there you go. Because then they're go. gonna they're gonna repeat it again, so then I can pay attention the second time. Yeah, yeah, it's a good that's a good trick too. All right, wow. George, Back last to the one. manipulation. <laughs> Try to trick him up. George, trying to trick this this this, this right. cat up. But George, I also want you to do the and part. So you're gonna say yes. And then you're gonna repeat just like Matthew did a little bit of what I was saying and then say, and, and then add some new stuff. Don't ask a question, okay? Don't ask a question. Ask a question. Ready? Make a statement. Don't ask a question. Okay. Just say yes, repeat a little of what I said and add something that makes sense, okay? okay. All right. My computer is broken, but you know what? I don't even care because technology is, is so hard for me and also my mom's in the hospital. Yeah, I mean, the thing about technology is that it's difficult and you know, I mean, I remember this time I had like a computer in my hallway and the, uh, the building across the street burnt down, but I uh, still wanted to play Sims, you know, uh, because that's what we need to do, you know, is continue our passions. And I mean, if your mom yes, is and sick from te- technology, um, maybe it's her passion. Yes, and 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 not letting the technology <laughs> sort of get in our way, right? I love it. All right. So let's keep it. Oh, and by the way, if your mom's in the hospital, I'm sorry about that too. <laughs> sorry about that too. Well, I, was I didn't like, know you had a mom. You're going surfing on the internet. As a parent, I've never been happier than when my children ask their friends over for an internet computer party. I'd like to add a word about safety, though. You have to remember the internet is not a regulated environment, so the quality and accuracy of various informational offerings can differ quite a bit. I have a special uh-huh. announcement. The first um, vagina I ever saw was Latoya Jackson. Is that true? <laughs> Yes. Is that true? Yes. Yes. Special announcement. Was it? Was it in? Well, I'd like to hold off for the on further special announcements until That's we fine. uncover yeah, no, a little. No. Let's I dig into. It, yeah, I'd like to. What's the interviewing thing? Let's go back to that. <laughs> all right. Hard. All right. So Philip, Matthew, and me. We are hard hitting reporters, and we've got to get to the bottom hard of this. Hard. Right. Okay. So lead us through this, Clay. So what do we? Do? We just ask really tough questions, or well, no, it doesn't have to be tough. We just want him to bare his soul and really get all the details and why it was important. So George, what was the How... context here? What was the context? There was a a 
a famous cover with her and a snake and it was in the closet in the bedroom and I like invited other boys over to look at this photograph of boys that were in my club the the viper club what was the viper club the viper club was a group of boys that I was the vice president of this sort of gang and um <laughs> we <laughs> we <laughs> we like declared war <laughs> over other clubs in the neighborhood <laughs> Gosh! <laughs> now to a story you will see only on Five. You know, you used to only hear about gangs like the Crips and the MS-13s in big cities or inner cities. Not anymore. And he says Karen Johnson found some of the most dangerous gangs living in small suburbs right here in our area. Karen? Philip is laughing because there was I was did an interview for a podcast called Sewers of Paris where all I did was talk about the Britain, this club. <laughs> I was supposed to talk about my music and, and stuff. And I just talked about this club, the Viper Club, and how it split off into a club called the British Club. Oh, my God. <laughs> One of my friends, Jamie, was like my manager for like various like talent shows we do. And he like got me to do like a drag performance where I like <laughs> with like balloons uh, under my uh, shirt and I, I, did, I did a song. I did a lip sync to um, what's Bobby Brown's group before Bobby Brown. There's a lot of Bobby Brown for some reason. Uh, um, new edition. Wait, see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But when was that? That was the Jags performance. No, that was just one of the other, like, you know, how your mind, it's like my, my mind yeah, 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 like yeah. A, a Toni Morrison novel, you know, it's just these sort I of, it. I get it. <laughs> it's like snippets. Yes. It doesn't, it's not linear, you know? Yes. Yeah. I think I learned sure. this in grad school. I think it's, it's called re-memories, I think, if I remember correctly. Mm -hmm. And it's like exactly what you're saying. But back to LaToya, what yes. happened that, that time in the club? Like, so the magazine comes out, we see LaToya, now what? There wasn't any sexual activity, but it was just like uh, an intrigue about like, who is this and what is this? You know, like, I just remember being very intrigued. Like, what is this? And like, why does she have a snake? And is snakes part of sex normally? You know, like I immediately associated like snakes. That's part of what you do. If you're, if you're a, a woman and you're gonna have sex, you need a snake. You've got them eating out of your hands, Serpento. Of course, you and I know your primary function will be as a figurehead, a sterling symbol of the power and unanimity of Cobra. And, but you didn't have the reaction of some gay man who were, you weren't like, ew, or like, what was your like, what was your reaction to the actual vagina? Intrigue. Yeah, interest. intrigue. Yeah, not like sexually, like, cause I was not old. So I, I wasn't thinking about myself, but I was intrigued by her sexuality. So I thought she looked pretty. And I thought that this was like an interesting yeah. thing. So, I, but I wasn't, I was more like just mystified and interested, but not really grossed out or anything. Is there uh, any potential for a Viper Club reunion anytime? That's or Quirona. Like maybe, uh, yeah, like yeah. maybe a Facebook group where you could all meet and maybe air your grievances. I don't know. Viper, how many? 
we broke up in a dramatic way and I I left the Viper Club to start the British Club because um, I was not in charge of the Viper Club and I wanted to be in charge. And the person mm-hmm. that was in charge was uh, like uh, uh, manipulative and weird, you know? And so, and he was the one that was, act- he was the one that was in- integrating all this sexuality into this in- situation. And uh, he, so I had been writing these newsletters and I was very writing these very stream of conscious newsletters and they really didn't like it. They wanted like facts in their newsletters. <laughs> they didn't want me to be like, Princess Mario is insane. You know, like toadstool, toadstool, exclamation point. This is George Alley, you know, whatever. <laughs> they didn't like that. <laughs> so they were like, you can't write these newsletters anymore. I was like, fuck you. And then I was like, um, Jamie, who is the treasurer, you must join uh, my club instead because they're not treating you well because you're a little bit heavier than some of these other people. So join my club. By the way, you're the treasurer. You're no longer the treasurer. Give me all the money. You're going to be something else. And then I immediately had all the money of the Viper Club. And how often were newsletters issued, whether they were stream of conscious or not? How often were you updating people? I feel like in the summer it was like weekly newsletters. And, you know, once, once I became the president of the, the British club, I sent out a letter to all the different kids in the neighborhood in different clubs. And I said, I am George Alley, the president of the British club. And we're going to start a United Nations of clubs and you need to send a representative from your club to join our United Nations. And then at that point, I was declared war on by another rival club called the Indians. <laughs> I don't think I have ever heard of such like all this club stuff. Like this, what was I, was this just like a, like a, a mania in your town, like creating these clubs or, or is this like a constant? I don't, I think it was just like, I don't know. I mean, I know so many kids you had in the neighborhood. There was, there was a lot of kids. And the the thing that was actually the most extreme that happened to me was after I formed the British club, I was tied up my strip shirtless, which I was often like in movies. Like we also did like these horror movies where I was like the (laughs) Jamie Lee Curtis character called mask, mask one, two, three, four, and five, where I was always, (laughs) being told to take off my clothes in these <laughs> movies, by the way. But the, then the, the one kid of the Viper Club had his, this girl who was in the British club, her brother was like, uh, tied me up with him. They like, um, I secretly recorded them interrogating me while I was tied up in a garage shirtless. But I then went, I, for some reason I thought, oh, I need a copy of this tape. Cause I had seen a lot of movies where you need like copies of tapes for evidence. So that like, if I could like be like, I will blackmail you with this evidence that you stripped me and did these things. But I accidentally recorded over the interrogation with this other tape. <laughs> <laughs> this is a really good time for this book to come out because we've all kind of digressed a little bit in how we communicate with each other. You know, we don't have the same social skills that we had, you know? So I feel like there is more anxiety when we do socialize with others. Yeah. It's going to be really strange when we are looking at people in the actual eyes with nothing covering their face. And I think people 
are going to replace a lot of their pandemic anxiety with a new kind of anxiety of like, how do I interact with people? Cause it's going to be at least a year. I mean, that's a long time to not have sort of normal human interactions. Um, and so, yeah, I, I feel like because I never have easy, normal human interactions, like that's <laughs> why I wrote the book. Now other people who are struggling with that because of the pandemic can, can look at what I do when I'm struggling to have normal human interactions and hopefully have, have some fun ways to get back into it. I think it's interesting to look at improv as a critical, as a, as a, as a way to increase our flexibility in, in, in communicating, which is, I think the rigidness is, is when people just hit a brick wall. Yeah, I definitely think I wrote a Psychology Today article about um, creative suppression and creative mortification and how improv can sort of get beyond that. Because a lot of times in brainstorming sessions, you know, somebody has an idea and then somebody judges it or critiques it or says it will never work. And that's not you're not doing the right thing. The first stage of brainstorming is yes, 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 yes. The more ideas, the better. Because sometimes your 200th idea is, is the one that turns into something great. Um, and then after that, of course, we get all the ideas we can. Then we can start to evaluate, you know, what's, what's the idea that's actually going to work and be the best one. Um, and I really relate to that idea because I'm really easily creatively suppressed. Like if somebody says, you know, oh, you know, you spelled that wrong, like that can really send me down a spiral. Yeah. Um, so I really need to start my creativity with like, yes, yes, yes. And yes, yes. Anding myself. Um, yeah. And that's the whole book. Like this book, I never thought would be published. I actually said when I was sending it in to Simon and Schuster, I, I said to a friend, I talk a lot about shitting. I talk a lot about Kim Kardashian weirdly and I said to a friend, like, I feel like I'm daring them to publish this because it seems so irreverent and, and so not academic. And, and it's just like super accessible and kind of open and, and yeah. raw. And so I felt like I was daring them to publish it. And I think that's why they published it, because it's I'm, I'm really walking the walk. Like I am the whole writing of it was super improvisation. Like I was just going and going and going and going and. And so, yeah, I think that's what Yes And uh, can give creatives, for sure. Take a look, it's in a book, a reading rainbow. Where can people get this book? All the places, all the places. Um, your local independent bookshop, if you ask for it, they should be able to have it, but it's everywhere. So Amazon, um, you know, Target, Barnes & Noble, uh, everywhere. If you go to playyourwaysane.com, uh, there's all the different links for all the all the people who are selling it. Paul, at the sound of a doorbell ringing. Ooh, now add the sound of a wild tornado. Okay, and now how about the sound of someone having an existential crisis? How does Quirona have such professional editing, you might be asking? How do we get all these amazing international queer special guests? And how do we get these illustrious interstitial sounds? Also, how do you cook a lobster thermidor in the air fryer? 
Well, all of these questions are answered for and paid by sponsors like you. Check out Patreon at patreon.com slash Quirona or Venmo a sponsorship to us at George Alley, A-L-L-E-Y, and we will shout you out or offer early access to our entire season two. Interested in Quirona merch? Let us know. For this season, we'd love to thank Mark Sykes and Pamela Tro for their generous sponsorship. Okay, Paul, let's close with an Alexis Carrington moment. At six o'clock, I like to slip out of my shoes and into something more comfortable, like a drink. We each talk at the end of each episode about one thing that we think is interesting or fun that we think that other people uh, might enjoy during these quarantined times to occupy yourself. It could be a meme. It could be a sculpture. It could be a YouTube video. It could be whatever you want. Philip, I'm sure you have something. I know what you're going to say. So tell us everything. I'm going to tell you about a website called Windowswap. You go to Windowswap and it randomly generates someone's window that you get to look through. It could be Raleigh, North Carolina. It could be Tel Aviv. And then you can, of course, if you're bored with their window, you can click and it'll take you somewhere else. And suddenly you're in Brussels. It is recorded, so I've been like studying it to try to figure out if these were live windows, but I've, I'm pretty sure that they're uh, recorded, like 20-minute loops. Um, but then you can also like record your own and try to put it up there. So it's kind of fun to like randomly pop in and look through these windows. Window swap. I'll check it out. Yeah, that's interesting. What am I enjoying? I've been listening to more podcasts and one podcast I've been listening to, I'm a big comic book fan. And so I've been listening to two different podcasts that kind of um, are done by, you know, kooky academics, much like us. Right. Um, and looking back on, you know, kind of seminal 80s, 90s aughts comics that were very you know, meaningful to readers at the time when I would have been, you know, not born or a child, um, but also um, kind of have, have, have laid the groundwork for a lot of comic book or pop culture media. So the one is called um, Jay and Miles Explain the X-Men. Um, and I've only recently started, so I'm very far back and it kind of covers a lot of the X-Men comics, which is um, really interesting because they really dig into LGBTQ themes, as well as what a lot of people don't realize is in the X-Men comics, there was always this underlying S&M and mind control and King. My uh, thing to share is an activity that I have been inspired by Clay's book and this is an activity that you can do <laughs> when you next interact with someone. When they say a location to you that they're going to, you can say, are you sure because of the paparazzi and nothing else? I'm kind of torn between, I guess, middle brow and super low brow. Um, I'm super into TikTok. I know I'm really late to the game and also too old to be doing it, but it's super uh, fun and it's, it's a lot like improv. So I'm having a lot of fun 
TikToking, and there's a huge old people invasion on TikTok happening right now, so I'm here for it. But the slightly higher brow one is uh, I'm in the middle of reading Marcus, I don't know how you say it, Zusak. Uh, he, he wrote um, The Book Thief, um, which was a super popular novel, yeah. but he his more most recent book is called, I think it's called Bridge of Clay, um, and I kind of got it because my name is Clay, right. and it's cute that the main character's name is Clay, but also I've loved um, two of Marcus uh, Zusak's novels, and this one is even better. Like, it's one of those books that I, I want to read it really, 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 really slowly, and it's like 600 pages, um, and that rarely happens. I think I've only read three books like that. Two of them were his, so... Uh, Bridge of Clay is a really uh, lovely novel to get lost in. Perhaps you should do a TikTok where you're planking and you're holding <laughs> a bridge of clay. <laughs> <laughs> I'll do it tomorrow. I love I'll that. Tomorrow. Thank you so much, Dr. Drinko, for conversing with us about everything from death, life, disease, technology, and improvisation. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. This is <laughs> this has truly been so much fun. Thank you, guys. You have been listening to Quirona. Quirona is George Alley and Philip Moore with a series of rotating co-hosts, including Matt Ray. Theme song, Undivided Attention by George Alley, available on iTunes with editing by Paul Schuler and Philip Moore, and interstitial music by Elise Carver at Elise Carver Music. Thank you for listening, and follow us on Instagram at Quirona underscore podcast.